High Noon with George Hook. Thanks to ClaytonHotels.com with 17 hotels across Ireland and the UK. Well, time now for George's favourite films. Um, As always, joining me in the studio to explain it all to me is Stephen Benedict. Stephen, of course, uh, a lecturer in film at Trinity College Dublin and his... uh, a site, stephenbendick.ie, is a treasure trove uh, for all movie fans. Have a listen to this. Why should we have to bear any more criticism and failure than we have to? Aside from the inescapable fact that a good many of your men never left the trenches, there's the question of the troops' morale. Don't forget that. The troops' morale? Certainly. These executions will be a perfect tonic for the entire division. There are few things more fundamentally encouraging and stimulating than seeing someone else die. I never thought of that, sir. Well, you see, Colonel, troops are like children. Just as a child wants his father to be firm, troops crave discipline. I see. And one way to maintain discipline is to shoot a man. May I ask, do you sincerely believe all the things you've just said? It's been a pleasure discussing this with you, Colonel, but I'm afraid that I'd better be getting back to my guests. Now, Stephen, if you didn't recognize it, and for people listening who didn't recognize it, it's maybe a surprising movie at first sight for me, Paths of Glory with mm. the great Kirk Douglas. Kirk Douglas, yes, directed by Stanley Kubrick in 1957. It's set in World War One, and it's a movie that was shot exclusively in Germany, but it's about the French uh, French army and a disastrous campaign and the fallout of this campaign. That, that now, again, like 1957, I certainly didn't see it first run because mm. I think if I saw it first run, I wouldn't have understood it. Right. I saw it later. Mm. And my reasons are, one... A very simple one, Kirk Douglas. I find it hard not to watch Kirk Douglas. Right. But secondly, of course, one of my hobbies is the history of World War One and World War Two. Yeah. And the thing about World War One is that war is always needless and awful mm. and everything. But World War One, particularly, like here we are, Centenary of Passchendaele, for mm. instance, the whole awful carnage, needless carnage and this is an even more need story of even more needless death Yeah. Uh, and another one for me is that I hadn't seen French side of right. World War One right. in a movie. Yeah, you've seen the British or the American yeah. side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or even the German side mm. in something like Eric Maria Remarque's All, All Quiet in the Western Front. All Quiet in the Western yeah. Front. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting because the, the movie is ad- adapted from a book by a guy called Henry, uh, Humphrey Cobb and for a long time he was assumed to be Canadian but in actual fact he was American. He's born to American parents in Siena in Italy. And then, because his parents were moving around a lot, then they went back to Canada and everyone assumes he's Canadian. Um, But he enlisted in the Canadian army at the age of 17 and he went off to fight. So the story is partially inspired by his experiences, but also about surrounding an actual event that happened in March 1915 in the region of Champagne in France. Um, The French 136th Regiment were were ordered by the generals to, to take a specific German position. And it was impossible to take that position. It was absolutely doomed for failure. I mean, it's like Trump trying to re- repeal Obamacare. It simply was not going to happen. So the it fails. And then what the generals decided to do was what they tried to exonerate themselves or pardon themselves. You know the way Donald Trump's trying to do that at the moment, George? Anyway, so what they, they, they pluck out four corporals and they ordered them, they brought them in front of a tribunal and they conducted a courts martial and they executed them. 
because they had failed to to uh, to achieve what the generals wanted to achieve. Now the generals just were were trying to just polish their own row of medals. That's all the generals were but trying to do. The point is, the reason this is 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 so first of all so truthful, and secondly, why it's important is. And they did this in World War One. Mm-hmm. This is the point because there's a French phrase, and my French is awful, but better it, than mine, I can it, tell. It, you. Yeah, but it's something like uh, "les encourage les autres," which is to encourage the others. That's right. And this was the idea that if a regiment failed, they arbitrarily picked somebody who might not have been, in fact victim of cowardice, for mm-hmm. argument's sake, may in fact have been the bravest man in the group, but it was a lottery. And here is this movie of these men who are effectively picked by lottery mm-hmm. because the Germans or the generals have said they failed in their task. Now, yeah. the other thing that happened in World War One is the French actually did go on strike the they army act, did, that's right. The yeah. army did. They, they refused. Yeah. And what saved the day was another guy who was awful in World War II because he was a collaborator, and this was Philippe Pétain, oh, yes, General yes, Pétain. Yeah. And, and he, he brought morale back to the French army. So I had all this history in my head. Mm. I'm watching this movie. This movie strikes chords mm. almost in every scene. Yeah. It's the great Kirk Douglas. Mm. And because you know I love uh, supporting actors, mm. there's a fella I love. Who, who I think one of his last roles was as Cordell Hull in World War Two in Torah, Torah, Torah. George McCready. Yes, yes, yeah, and yeah. this guy always was a bad guy, and yes. he's a kind of a bad guy in this as well. But everything about this movie had integrity. I it think. did. It did. Yeah. It had great integrity. Now you tell me what really happened. Well, no, I t- one of the reasons why I think it's a fantastic film and it's a fantastic anti-war film is because it's not just anti-war. It's you know it it is a, it's a the movie is about an army at war with itself. So in an actual fact, we can read it as a metaphor for what actually war is. It's humankind at war with itself, because you know when you're when you're looking at a World War One movie and in particular World War Two movie, you, you you know who the enemy are. But in actual fact, it's part of the human family. That's the way to look upon it. Because what what um what Stanley Kubrick recognized in this story was he focused in on the institutions the institution of law within the military construct. And the institution of law allowed the generals to pluck uh, in an arbitrary manner these um, common foot soldiers and have them executed. And they were able to to hide behind the, uh, the law of war in order to do so. And as we know, that that is the greatest and the worst excuse that people have. I was just obeying orders or this is the way the system works or was the culture of the day. These are phrases that we've heard a lot in Ireland in the last 20 years, the culture of the day, and as an excuse to hide behind institutions. And that's really, I think, one of the reasons why the film works so well. But we would have to then mention Kubrick. Mm. I mean, this is an extraordinary director, but also one of the oddest directors. Isn't that so? <laughs> yes. Now, we've got to let everybody know how phenomenally young he was when he made this film, one of the greatest. He was 28 when he made this movie. Okay. okay? 
And, you know, we tend to forget because the, the movie was made so long ago and then Cooper became this great grand master of American cinema or world cinema. Um, but this was the film that actually announced him as a severe talent on the international scene. Prior to that, he'd made a number of films that really hadn't made any money. He'd made a very successful, critically successful gangster picture called The Killing a couple of years before. Um, but then he, he got his hands on Paths of Glory, which in incidentally he had read at the age of 14. 14 years later, at the age of 28, he's directing Kirk Douglas, one of the biggest movie stars in Hollywood. And on the back of that, although Paths of Glory didn't make that much money, Kirk Douglas then goes off to make this epic Spartacus a couple of years later. He fired the initial director, whom we'd mentioned a couple of weeks ago, a guy called Anthony Mann. Anthony Mann was fired. He bought in Stanley Kubrick from Paths of Glory. Now, the career of Kubrick is extraordinary because he's working through American patronage, but he was the very, very first American director to secure absolute beginning, middle and end over sustained length of time, complete control of his films. I worked with him. Barry Lyndon. Barry Lyndon. Which I think is his greatest picture and one of my favourite We're movies. down in Waterford, right? And we're doing the catering on the movie and there's a mass of extras. So it's great cash, great dough. And then <laughs> Kubrick, because he's also a bit odd, like Kubrick sort of says, well, I want a particular shaped cloud. So we're sitting there for days on end, feeding the crew, huge crew, three meals a day, mm. waiting for the cloud to arrive. So Kubrick was a caterer's dream really you know because like the budget was unlimited but then purportedly or reportedly or rumoured or whatever he gets a death threat from from the IRA that's right nobody believes it like you know who'd want to kill Stanley Kubrick in the context of uh, all right so next minute Kubrick's in a taxi Kubrick's at the airport Kubrick's gone mm. movie closes well, actually, he, he, yeah no, he went to Dunleary and took the boat because he was, he was terrified oh, of flying yeah. right. but the reason why he received the death threat was the movie as we remember was being made in 1973 74 and because it's a period picture he had Union Jacks being flown in fields in Roscommon and all the counties around Ireland because he was making the movie in different, different counties in Ireland and the IRA took a grave exception to this so it was he did receive a death threat I actually met uh, his his wife Christiana Kubrick a number of years a number of years ago at a film okay. festival and we were talking about Barry Lyndon because as I said to her I'd said that it's my favourite movie that Kubrick had ever made and she said you know Stanley would have been very very happy to hear that because it's actually the one of his his one neglected film people talk about Clockwork Orange and The Shining in 2001 but it's the movie that see, people seem to forget about coming back to bringing it back to Paths of Glory Paths of Glory is has an all male cast with the exception of one woman and she doesn't appear until the very very final scene and she is forced onto the stage to sing before these French soldiers. She's a German, a German woman. And they tease her and cajole her and mock her. And through the singing and the beautiful song, they're eventually silenced. That woman, her name is Christiana Harlan. And then she married Stanley Kubrick two years later. Now, it's interesting to note that Christiana Harlan, her uncle, was one of the most notorious filmmakers in Nazi Germany. And Stanley Kubrick as we know, was Jewish. So I think the marriage between them is an extraordinary union between them. Now, the reason why I mentioned Christiana Kubrick was because a lot of people, when they're talking about Kubrick, they found him to be odd, although they never met him, although you did. They found him to be very, very eccentric and they found him to be almost to be a misanthrope. And I'm happy to say that having spent the time 
in Mrs. Kubrick's company. There's absolutely no way that Stanley Kubrick could have been that because she's such a warm personality, such a very, very fine person. She wouldn't have tolerated such a such um, a misanthrope for 40 years of marriage. There's absolutely no way. What Stanley Kubrick was, was he was a humanist and he dared to look our failings in the eye and expose us for what we are, flawed human beings. And he didn't romanticise us. He just presented yeah. us as we are. Another another way to sell Paths of Glory is it's very short. Okay, they get in and out of the movie in under 100 minutes. And that is quite unusual in today's terms, and, to, and especially in terms of today's war pictures. Just mention one other war picture, Dunkirk. Have you seen it? Yes. Did you like it? No. Ah, George, you were in the wrong profession. <laughs> our, our friendship ends here. <laughs> bye-bye. All right. Uh, bye-bye from Stephen Bendick and myself. You can find Stephen, if he's not, even if he's not talking to me, on stephenbendick.ie.